Sound like um, Tuxum TV, new Tuxum TV. Yeah, I believe it. But that's not what it's from. There was actually thousand. I don't know. It's probably some stupid uh, comedy routine I watched like twenty years ago. It stuck. It got stuck in my head for some fucking reason. Yeah, buddy. Here we are, another week. Entertainers. No, we're not really. Another week. Hundred episodes. Hundred and one. Yeah, well, this is all bonus material now because the hundredth episode was the last episode. <laughs> yeah, these are all encores. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, time just keeps on slipping, man. Into the future. Into the future. Whatever. It feels like we're at the end, we of, said, the, end of the world right now. So, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, the world's gonna keep going. I don't know. I'm feeling real doom and gloomy lately. Like the axe is about to drop again. I wonder what could it be? Uh, elections coming up. <laughs> if we make it, <laughs> I've been thinking about. Uh, here's this for. How's this for a, a, a YouTube show idea? I'm gonna call it uh, um, uh, John Madden's political horse race, and I'll say like things like, "All right, you know, if you go, if Joe Biden goes out there and gets less votes than Donald Trump, he's gonna be in real trouble." <laughs> <laughs> you mean so like? Most of like the pundits exactly around elections, <laughs> you know, if Joe Biden doesn't win, he's gonna lose big time. <laughs> if you don't like Joe Biden's mess, I mean, I do a vote for him. <laughs> well, this is some profound stuff, John Madden. I mean, <laughs> Sean Madden. <laughs> ah, whatever. This isn't a political talk show. Occasionally, most it of the is. time. <laughs> Sort of. I don't know. I'm fucking exhausted. I know the, you don't want to hear white people saying that, but man, fucking exhausted. Nah, you know, you're just like four years into an existential crisis. No, I mean, I don't know. 12 years? <laughs> well, no, What's adulthood been like? It, it hasn't been good because I'm, I t- turned 18 when uh, they decided. Or I guess, no, I wasn't old enough to vote for the first uh, Bush election. But, like, I was, like, 18 when uh, they they ran John Kerry. So my adulthood, not been that great. More financial crisis. I guess war in the streets soon. That might be pretty cool. (laughs) No, no, that's never cool. It's cool. It's cool to read about later. You don't want to live through it. You know what I mean? It's it's one of those things. Maybe I do. I've talked about it before. I should have died in the war anyways. Now's my chance. (laughs) I don't know. Well, we'll see. I still think we're a little far away from like where we were, you know, pre-Civil War or um, or even like early 1900s when people were tossing TNT around. But we're we're not far off. I mean, it's quite a bit different now. The circumstances. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's there's never like a one-to-one comparison in history. Nah, but the things do look pretty grim. I'll say that. 
say that with confidence. Things do not look. I mean, who could have guessed good. it? I mean, I don't know. Oof. Donald Trump as president would have turned out terrible, huh? I mean, there's that podcast that uh, Robert Evans did where it's it could happen here, and um, he did it like a year or two ago, and it's all it's all coming true. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. I'm just I owe several like dystopian um, sci-fi and fantasy writers some apologies, and, and they were writing like the 80s and late 70s. So, <laughs> yeah, they but like. They didn't. They didn't understand how boring and mundane it would end up being. I guess. <laughs> no, I think maybe they did. It's just you can't sell books that way. Or I guess maybe when you're in it, you don't see all the the, the big plot beats because it's just happening every day. It's like a slow trickle. So looking back twenty years from now, yeah, it'll just be all highlights. Yeah, like oh yeah, I remember this happened, then this event, and this event. And, oh, yeah, it all makes sense on a perfect timeline. Hindsight's twenty twenty, they say. But I mean, <laughs> I, I'm already like running out of things to, to live for, to be honest. So who cares? <laughs> I mean, I care in the respect for other people, but I mean, my, myself personally, I've always been kind of a fatalist and a bit of a nihilist anyway. So now I'm just kind of like, well, I ain't got shit going on anyways. They got to be a Star Wars soldier for communism. Mm. If you want to be nihilistic, there really was never a point in anything to what you do in life, period, right? Unless, Yeah, true. I mean, even like the great men, supposedly great men in history, you know, 2,000 years from now, um, how many of them will we really remember? Like how many how many Babylonian uh, emperors can you name, Kyle? Was that uh, Hammurabi? <laughs> Isn't that one of them? <laughs> I think you're supposed to take your dick out for him. <laughs> no, that's Harambe. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I don't. I, I. I. Well, that's the thing is I go through phases where it's even like when I'm in my best of moods, it's still sort of informed by nihilism, where the only things that matter are oh, simple things, right? You know, just the simple pleasures you can get out of life. Um. But even right now, it's like, man, the circumstances seem pretty bad that I'll ever, like, have a wife or anything. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, they're all getting a lot of hinges on the next, like, six months, I think. But I think I think you can make it. I think oh, you can make a wife so, out of this. I, I mean, I, might, you might like, end up like one of those. Uh, it might be like a, uh, like a Charleston Heston, Planet of the Apes kind of situation. But <laughs> he got might, a wife. <laughs> that might not be too bad. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I just, it's like, man, I fucking, what kind of job am I supposed to do? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, fucking I jobs. mean, really, realistically, a lot of people aren't, aren't doing a lot of jobs right now. I forgot to send you that shit, but I'll do it. Oh, sorry. Place. Yeah. It's just like, God damn, what am I going to do? Probably flee to Mexico. Yeah. I, I said last time I don't want to go to Mexico. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to lay long-term plans in Underground Railroad Canada. Canada, Canada will fall with us. I guarantee it. <laughs> Ireland. I mean, if if we're well, if Mexico, I mean, if Canada's falling, Mexico's falling too. It's going to be a hellhole. You know no, what I mean? Well, we'll, our, we'll the, the entire cartels, North American continent is going to. No, the cartels will line up along the border and shoot everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, cartels. I, you just got to get in there first beforehand. <laughs> And then you're just like, oh, no, I've been here. I'm one of those uh, um, Irish Catholics who stayed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my, uh, gr- <laughs> see. <laughs> my grandfather stayed here. He, he was friends with Che Guevara. Don't worry about it. All right. Well, 
let's talk about movies for a second, I guess. I watched the new Train to Busan Peninsula, the sequel. Uh, scales out of control. Um, done not very much character work, so the emotional core is not there. Not as good as the first one. Still a pretty cute movie. Worth watching. Um, I went and watched the Observe and Report again. You know, the cool Seth Rogen movie about how a piece of shit um, law enforcement authority is. Yeah, yeah, the really like black comedy one. It was a very dark comedy. <laughs> uh, it's pretty good. Everyone check that out. It's got um, Michael Pena in like one of his first comedy roles too, right? Yeah, that's kind of um, him being friends with the, those like group of guys is kind of what got him, um, in my opinion, some of his best roles because he works really well as a comedy figure. He can kind of do it all, honestly, but he's just really funny when he does comedy. Like, uh, what's the the delivery one? Thirty minutes or less? The one where the pizza boy gets the bomb vest on him. Oh yeah, yeah, with and, uh, Eisenberg. Yeah, and Michael Pena is the the assassin they sent out. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hilarious in that movie. Um, also, Bill and Ted. Did you watch Bill and Ted yet? Uh, I did not watch the new one. I watched Bill and Ted: It's Excellent Adventure with the Kids, and we're gonna watch Bogus Journey probably tomorrow. Then face the music. And then we're gonna face the music. Said, uh, I forgot how like cheaply made Bill and Ted's was because in my it's been probably twenty years since I've seen it or close to it. I think I might have mm-hmm. seen it once when I was in, in high school. Um, but uh, in my imagination, it's much grander than it really was. Well, the budget does jump up quite a bit for Bogus Journey, and it is a little bit more. Um, it's still like definitely a low budget independent movie, but uh, it is much more visually engaging. I guess there's a real like visual style to Bogus Journey, whereas Excellent Adventure is just like a tightly written comedy, and just kind of. Um, one of the interesting things about Excellent Adventure, in my opinion, is um, all the clever ways they avoid showing uh, the phone booth doing time travel because they can't afford the special effects that often. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I like that too. So you just see like the light behind doors or like cut to a cat being scared of it, you know, stuff like that. Right, and, or you pan over to it after they like fall out of it or something, right? <laughs> yeah, that stuff's cool. I always like like cute little... Um, well, it ends know. up being more visually appealing than constantly seeing the phone booth appear. Yeah, it's just uh, it's it's like a treat when you actually see it happen, like the the when because it's only the first time, like the last time they actually see it transpire. But yeah, those pretty good movies, very well made for the amount of money. And then um, Face the Music is of course still Keanu and Alex Winter, and then the same two writers that wrote wrote, wrote the other ones. So. Got the same vibe. Bill and Ted's daughters are super cute. Got a crush on Ted's daughter. Weird dude, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it's on the stream. It like made me cry, not because like the um the emotional punch to the movie is that good. It is just like because it's something from my childhood and seen extended over time, and like my life hasn't um ever gotten better. So it's just like I too will always be a loser like Bill and Ted. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one thing I could. I'm still. I, I guess I'll they'll I'll find out when I watch the movie. Like how do they drive the end of bogus journey with what i assume face the music is about now they do it pr- pretty um succinctly pretty just you know yeah um, i'm sure it's literally matter of fact yeah it, like it all it makes sense it's just kind of like this is what happened and you're like yeah sounds about right but uh that's for new movies i'm not really watching new movies i guess because new they don't make them anymore no no tenants out Oh, yeah, I heard it's uh, not very good, shockingly. 
Well, <laughs> it's about I, like I heard, time traveling or something. Uh, yeah, I heard a lot of um, critical consensus and people that uh, just love making money off of movies and love Christopher Nolan for some reason seem to like it. But audience reaction is basically like, uh, hey, this is pretty dumb. Which I'm finally, finally, Christopher Nolan is getting his just desserts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so fuck new movies. It's all about old movies here. Uh, specifically Italian movies for a little bit. But before that, we got to talk about um, a movie that's technically old, even in the time span of this podcast, because it's a movie we watched last week. Forgot to mention how good the soundtrack was for Day of the Death. I thought I made a joke about uh, someone uh, Stranger Things stealing it or something. Didn't we talk about it then? Well, yeah, the, they snatched songs from it. I just yeah. uh, John Harrison did the soundtrack. Um, he was able to like do the soundtrack live as they were editing it because they were like in the same building. It's a pretty cute story. Um, it's really good, like uh, analog synthesizer only soundtrack. I think it, um, you could compare it to some of Carpenter's soundtracks. It has like an attempt at um, maybe like Afro-Cuban kind of percussion it because it's originally Florida was going to be more of a, a theme to the movie where in the, it ends up being Day of the Dead just kind of is in Florida, but it doesn't really matter. You know? Yeah, it's mostly in a cave. Yeah, so the soundtrack still reflects that, which I think is cute. It's pretty cute. It's, I don't know how effectively it actually incorporates the elements of like Cuban music and stuff, but it's a cute attempt and then everything ends up being fun to listen to. With that in mind, like I said, we're in, it's a, it's time to go to Italy in the eighties by obviously we're going to make fun of these movies because they're kind of bad, right? Um, Italy makes some kind of weird stuff, but I do think it's interesting how significant eighties culture in Italy was too like filmmaking and music and stuff and it's kinda weird that it's being revitalized now and has been for like the last ten years or so, but people don't actually realize a lot of the time that they're copying Italian music. In the eighties there was a Talo disco. A Talo disco. Yeah, so it was like the electronic instruments became pretty cheap in Europe at the time. So it was basically one of those time periods where like maybe the punk movement and then later in the early 2000s when people started being able to produce their own hip-hop beats and shit it's one of those time periods where like fucking anyone can make music now the best time periods and italy they're coming off of disco it doesn't actually have very much to do with disco it's just called that because it was played in the clubs or in italy they would have been called discotheques <laughs> a discotheque yeah so it's just like club music um uh, it's like one of the it's kind of corny, obviously, because it's the 80s, and any of the ones that have vocals No, in, no, there's no, nothing corny about, like, those four hardcore punk rockers cruising around town listening to, like, something. <laughs> what do you mean? They're listening to Billy Idol. <laughs> At one point. And also, yeah. Billy Idol, not that hard. Uh, Billy Idol is pretty corny. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, especially the ones that have vocals in it, because it's Italian people that don't really speak English, copying, like... The, the the vocabulary of um English pop songs so it's yeah, a lot of like baby go to space universe love you know like doesn't really make sense but you kind of get what they're going for but I um actually like hella love Italian disco and Italian movies from the 80s so in addition to watching cool Italian movies I'll we'll get to use some of my favorite Italian disco tracks for like outro music in the episode it's gonna be a lot of fun. And then um, for a modern version of Italo Disco, 
I recommend basically anything on the Italians do it better label, which is headed by Johnny Jewel. Johnny Jewel, of course, is in Chromatics, Desire, Glass Candy, Orion, bunch of bands that are inspired by Italian electronic music. Does everything with analog <laughs> instruments. You just made all that up. No one knows. You get. You keep try to Google that. No one knows what you're talking about. <laughs> Um, people are definitely familiar with his works, but necessarily they don't necessarily know who Johnny Jewel is or why he's significantly better than um, the meme version of. So he's doing like a talent disco revival, but he has like the vocabulary and the taste, in my opinion, to um, do a good job. And like his soundtrack work and um, some chromatics and stuff sounds more moody, like Italian movie soundtracks, whereas Glass Candy and Desire is more straight up metal disco but the the after drive came out right and which johnny jewel did soundtrack work on um everyone just wanted to copy night call by kavinsky and they created like internet meme subgenres, right where it's yeah, synth it's like wave run retro wave whatever blah, blah blah so that's basically a bunch of nerds who don't know about italo disco accidentally making bad italo disco and incorporating like fucking video game shit into it uh, also, Simpsons. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like Simpson Wave came out of Vaporwave, which came out of um, internet meme shit genres are all fucking so <laughs> piecemeal mixed up. There's something about it being generated on the internet that makes it. It almost seems like it came from an AI. Yeah, it makes it kind of. It's so like uh, crowdsourced and insincere that it, I don't know. It just gets on my nerves. So yeah, I'm gatekeeping Italo disco music. <laughs> you gotta you listen and, to you me. and no one else. Yeah, I mean, I would say Johnny Jewel, but he's actually pretty positive to like every like fan interaction I've ever seen about the people that are ignorant about it and shit because he just wants people to listen to cool music. Not me. I want to make you feel bad until you listen to cool music. That's but that, um, that, that always works. You just make people feel bad until they agree with you. Hell yeah! That's why I'm voting for Biden. <laughs> people are mean, people are mean on Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm mostly joking. I'm also kind of doing the same thing. Like uh, the fucking Tal Disco rules, uh, Johnny Jewel rules. Uh, obviously, people know Chromatics from appearing in um, Twin Peaks: The Return. Uh, so there's a crossover interest between myself and Johnny Jewel, and that we both love David Lynch. You know, weirdo shit. It all comes together. It's all part of a bigger pizza pie. Um, check out Italo Disco. I'll have some recommendations in the next episode. I didn't uh, do it this week. But until then, if you want to uh, listen to like sort of Italo Disco Revival, let's check out Italians Do It Better, who are not a paid sponsor, but I would love to be sponsored by Italians Do It Better. <laughs> well, I mean, given the, uh, the, the goability of the populace, uh, I'm really rethinking our, our, our stance on, on paid sponsors. Let's, let's talk some supplements. I don't even care anymore because, um, like I said, I, I don't know. I'm losing faith in everything, and mostly now I'm just desperate for money. I need to, like, save our family somehow. <laughs> so it's hard to have, like, morals, I guess, when you're poor. It's hard to make ethical decisions when it's, like, life or death. So happily, I will now accept money. I'll show for anything. <laughs> I don't give a fuck anymore. Casper Mattress. I'll be, uh, we'll Me undies. <laughs> What's Me the other uh, newer one? Um, I don't know. <laughs> like Burke Johnson or some shit. Oh, Mac Weldon? 
Oh, that, is that, is that it? I think that's just a dude clothing. I don't know. Whatever. They're all this. It's all the same shit. So you know what we're talking about. You listen to the podcast. You know we just start our own clothing line and sponsor ourselves. I would love to start a clothing that's, line. That's uh, that's that's where the real money is in that uh, that old tax canard. Hell yeah! I want to start a clothing line and um, I'll just get up and coming rappers to wear it, and then fucking that's it, man. Through, straight up through the roof, Supreme. I'll be the next Supreme. <laughs> <laughs> You get a picture of uh, of McGowan wearing uh, a shirt and without his authorization, and then sell that shirt. Yeah, but mine will be David Lynch. <laughs> I mean, Shane McGowan fits too, obviously. <laughs> Everything I like is from the '80s. When I think about it, you and everyone else in 2020. <laughs> yep. So, um, also early '90s. Yeah, a little bit, and some '70s if it's from like Japan or Italy. I don't like '70s American culture. But it's interesting in other countries. But so, yeah, uh, obviously there is some um, more English-speaking Western artists that are similar to Italo Disco, like New Order. Kind of sounds like Italo Disco. Um, And then um, to further extrapolate onto that, um, obviously our known enemies who I make fun of all the time, Stranger Things. Um, they're, They're, of course, trying to do like Steven Spielberg and John Carpenter and Stephen King type shit. But there's like um, definitely like a sonic and visual aesthetic that they're trying to achieve that they don't have the ingredients for because they're not familiar enough with Italian film or Italian uh, Italo disco. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why it sucks because they, they desperately want the, the, the gore and the horror elements to be like these Italian splatter films and be visually appealing. But I feel like they probably are barely aware that they exist and they think um, synthesizing music all comes from John Carpenter. Like, I doubt they even know that Goblin exists or anything. <laughs> I just think that they should have weird exploding, exploding like pustules and boils uh, on all of their various villains. It would be interesting if there was some um, connective, uh, like, visual aesthetic to the monster shit that are in is in stranger things right because from season to season it seems to be oh it's the other side or whatever but there's like no visual oh yeah i mean like 100 i don't see like the visual connection between like um and i guess maybe they'll explain it at some point if there is if they even thought of it who the fuck knows but yeah what the fuck what the demogorgon um <laughs> and whatever the fuck the actual head monster is supposed to yeah. be. They name it it's what dungeon and dragons and monster they still um, name oh the mind flare oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's not even mind flares look like i don't know god damn. well it's not the demogorgon's a two-headed demon prince so i don't know what the fuck the demogorgon is supposed to be is this like that's a cool name from dungeons and dragons that's what also, i mean that's illicit a, is a way better name than mind flare they should have gone with that that's like encapsulates my problem with it right is they're just stealing little bits from shit that they think's like alternatively nerd cool but they don't actually have the vocabulary themselves to understand it. Man, Fucking lame. Maybe, yeah. I don't, and also, I obvi- they did, they did obviously, it's a little bit of jealousy. Like, oh, these fucking nerds got to make a shitty 80s nostalgia show. I want to make a shitty 80s nostalgia show, but do it right. <laughs> I, we don't have a shitty 80s nostalgia show in our uh, arsenal, I don't think. I could pump one out on the weekend. <laughs> and it's not going to be little kids either because there's going to be fucking nudity in it because it's the fucking 80s dummies that's the same thing with american horror story 1984 should have put that season on hbo dummies <laughs> that, there's your pitch to either hbo or netflix yeah it's oh, got titties dummies yeah that's also american horror story 1984 also suffers from 
Uh, the same problem I mentioned about Stranger Things, where the, the writers and the crew and producers. I mean, and stuff I never saw have... 1984, but American Horror Story, I never really liked the little writing, and so I, it's probably suffers from a lot of shit. Yeah, well, I mean, specifically 1984 suffers from the problem I mentioned too, where they don't um, understand all the reference points to make it really seem like um, the 80s or 80s horror specifically. They're just like fucking Friday the 13th and neon colors. Am I right? That's the 80s. <laughs> Yeah, so basically what I'm saying is I'm a better filmmaker. I know more than everyone. <laughs> Same shit I do every That's why week, we're going to wall away in some obscur- obscurity. Um, and uh, one of us will likely die in some sort of so like water riot. Um, yeah. Well, but, I mean, that's just because of this, the social class and the station we were born into, to be honest. If uh, for some reason we were born in Los Angeles, the upper middle class family that had some connection to Hollywood, then... Yeah, we could have made it an insufferable um, miniseries for Netflix by now. But uh, we live in Arizona by way of a Bay Area ghetto. No one's got any money. No one's got any connections. No one's got fucking college degrees except for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, they are one of our sisters. There ain't shit going on with our family, you know? No, I've achieved exactly what I was supposed to achieve, Carl. <laughs> I, I guess I did. That's what I mean. Is I watched Bill and Ted and I was like, you know what? I was always supposed to be a loser. <laughs> Hell yeah. Fucking should have let the drugs take me when I was 25. <laughs> Ugh, nah. The drugs. We count the drugs one. The drugs. Both of, speaking of drugs, this week we watched Demons 1985, Lumberto Bava. The preview you are about to watch is for a movie that is unlike any you have ever seen before. It is for a movie that goes beyond temporary fear to everlasting terror. It is a movie called Demons. Yes, the demons are coming, and they're coming for you. Warning, if you have the courage to see demons sit near an exit, otherwise you might never get out. Your theater, who will survive the touch of the demons and who will not? Demons. With music by Billy Idol, Motley Crue, The Adventures, Rick Springfield, and Saxon. This is no dream. This is happening right now. And it could be happening. They will make cemeteries their cathedrals, and the cities will be your tombs. Will you survive it? Demons. I think you mean a demonia. <laughs> a demonius. A group of random people are invited to a screening of a mysterious movie only to find themselves trapped in the theater with ravenous demons. That should have been a scene. Hey, in this isn't things. day of the dead. Like when they went to see day of the dead and stranger things, it should have been further on in the season. And then they could have had the demons show up in the theater and uh, done an homage to this film. Like okay. I said, I don't think they're familiar with good movies. Well, congratulations. You just gave them this idea. Well, I was a film with day of the dead and uh, back to the future is a good movie. I'll fight you if you don't think so. Back to the Future, what does that got to do with anything? It wasn't strange. I'm just making the Stranger Things references that they've pulled oh. out of their ass. 
Oh, uh, yeah, they just mainstream consumer shit, man. Come on, give it the real shit. The real lifeblood <laughs> of the world. Italian consumer shit. <laughs> it's better because it's Italian. Dario Argento's involved. Hell yeah. Uh, so, Lamberto Bava, he's a third generation Italian filmmaker. His grandfather. Yeah, that's your Same thing happens in America, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, yep. Look at all the fashion houses in Italy. Uh, his grandfather, Eugenio Bava, he was a cameraman and early optical special effects guy, but that was like the 40s and the 50s, so, you know, special effects a little bit different back then. Of course, though. He yeah, we, a, we put a camera on a board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Made Although, I guess they're Italian, so. And we put a camera onto this board. <laughs> they probably say it in Italian. <laughs> I don't know Italian. Oh. Uh, he's, uh, more importantly, though, he is the son of Mario Bava, who was uh, one of the greatest cinematographers and directors in Italy, starting in the 50s, 60s, all the way into the late 70s. Black Sunday, Black Sabbath, Blood and Black Lace, The Evil Eye, etc. Kind of one of the forefathers of Giallo. Um, amazing visual style. Uh, just a real talented filmmaker. And then his son, Lamberto Bava, not quite as good. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I, I saw a Dawn of the Dead, and I'm going to put one in a movie theater instead, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Kinda, yeah. I just he just doesn't have like the same visuals flair his father did, or even like his contemporaries. Because that's one of the big things that I love about Italian horror and giallo is um how visually distinct it is, how colorful it is, the stark lighting, that sort of thing. And it's this not really shot very flat. Yeah, demons is um I like demons because of the comical aspects and the, the the gore, practical gore effects, but visually it's not that interesting there's that one shot where the demons are running up a ramp with their reflective eyes that's cool that's that's about it (laughs) (laughs) otherwise it's just like all right block the camera so that everything is perfectly in frame always and oh helicopter falls to the roof (laughs) <laughs> that, at that point I'm, the, if I was those two people I'd be like well shit's fucked Something. <laughs> well yeah you'd think like hmm there must be something going on outside too <laughs> because normally helicopters aren't just crashing into shit I've been to movie theaters many times I guess in their in their defense demons don't usually appear in movie theaters either well it's <laughs> um it's just the Dolby sound system <laughs> That's my favorite line in the movie when the girl, the one of the um, sex workers is screaming behind the screen and one of the girls thinks she hears it and <laughs> her, her date who she just met is like, oh, that's just the Dolby sound system. But he should have like turned directly to the camera and like gave a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> the audience is listening. <laughs> yeah, so um, aside from demons, um, in my personal taste, uh, I don't think demons 2 is that good. And then the only other Lumberto Bava movie I kind of like is Blade in the Dark, which is his Jalla. But he's still directing. He's been doing TV movies and TV shows. He's out there. Apparently, he's got a new film in post-production called Twins. Oh, is um, it the Eddie Murphy? Uh, not Eddie Murphy. Yeah, Eddie Murphy, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito uh, sequel? Triplets. Oh, triplets? Is that a thing? That was a thing. I don't know At if it's one still point. is. <laughs> huh. I'd be interested in seeing them try to make that now. <laughs> Hey, when's coming to America 2 supposed to come out? I'm sure production must have been delayed on that shit. Um, Lomberto Bava cites Demons as his personal favorite film he has directed. I agree with him. But like I said, Lomberto Bava is <laughs> not necessarily... Yeah, you just said it wasn't that good. <laughs> it's his best movie. Oh, no. Demons 2 isn't <clears throat> very good. I, Demons is, I think Demons is pretty... It's like a cute movie. 
I like I keep saying cute, but I use cute to I don't know what cute means to me exactly. <laughs> I say it about I say it about a lot of things. But generally in this case, words mean case. whatever you want them to mean with them to mean Kyle, you know, this is twenty twenty. That's right. There's fluidity in language. I guess to me, like when I say cute and I'm talking about eighties movies, it means it's like, um, campy, they did their best, it's kind of fun, is what I mean by cute. But uh, yeah, Lumberto Lava's not the best, but you'll uh Come to find out that the Italian film industry in the 80s and the 70s is a little bit too. Uh, there's, it's pretty insular and incestuous, if you will. Ooh, gross. So uh, there's lots of crossover between directors, writers, producers, cameramen, etc., etc. This film, produced by Dario Argento, and one of Dario Argento's daughters is in the movie. And Dario Argento, Argento's little buddy, um, Michel Suavi, who you'll remember from The Cemetery Man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he's also in the movie playing two roles and he's the second unit director assistant director I don't know these Italian guys are all hanging out um, Dario Argento's the, 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 the man head on top creeps. he's like the boss basically because he's the best the head creep yeah and then um, it's all the other <laughs> Lombardo Bava, Michel Suave uh, Michele Suave and then uh, Lucio Fulci's out there too but him and Dario don't really get along We'll talk about Lucio Fulci later. <laughs> and then, yeah, so for the, 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 the writers on this film, uh, it's, it's another who's who of Italian film as well. So um, Lombardo Bava's got a writing credit, as does Argento. I don't know how much work they actually did in it. And then Franco Farini and Dardano Sacchieri. Farini wrote Once Upon a Time in America, um, Argento's Phenomena, uh, The Church, La Chiesa. Uh, he wrote and directed Sweets from a Stranger, which we probably end up watching that someday. It's a pretty interesting movie, Italian movie. Uh, he's not not always credited, but he's worked on like some writing on at least like six other Argento movies. So he's like Argento's little friend too. And then uh, Farini stated his contributions to the script for the for Demons was just to postpone the appearance of the demons, which he said originally appeared much earlier in the film. It's only like. And you got to make him my way. <laughs> it's only like 15 to 20 minutes into the film that the first demon shows up, though. So it's like, they like didn't do any groundwork for the setting in the original screenplay. Honestly. Yeah, they just show up in the movie theater and like, oh, there's demons. Oh, fuck demons. <laughs> uh, Sacchietti, Dardano Sacchietti worked a lot with Lamberto Bava and Lucio Fulci. Uh, some Argento stuff, too. But like I said, there's kind of a divide between Argento and Fulci. And uh, I don't know how much crossover there is. The, 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 the enemies, the frenemies. Oh, I like a last move you make. It is almost as good as the shit I take this morning. <laughs> yeah, it's actually more like Argento doesn't give a fuck. And Lucio Fulci is always mad that Argento is more successful than him. <laughs> I think we talked about it when we oh, did yeah, we did. It was like, and then so Argento's response to that would be like, Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean they know each other and they work together a little bit, but Lucio Fulci's always just I don't know, he seems to just be talking shit a lot of the time. But yeah, but I like to think Dario Argento like purposely forgets that he knows him. Oh yeah, he's like, Oh what are you uh, you uh, you the sound guy, huh? What's up? <laughs> oh yes, I remember you, you're a best boy. <laughs> I assume mm. they have best boys in Italian productions at some point, right? I don't have a lot of best boys in Italian productions. Well, I mean, they actually don't have sound on set for Italian films. So, <laughs> I mean, isn't it, no, isn't the best boy lighting or is that is that sound? I'm thinking, am I thinking key grips? Whatever. The Fuck grip, the, yeah, the grips are lighting. Best boy is I don't know what he does. Maybe it's sound. I don't know. 
it's like yeah he's got super long writing credits he's wrote tons of shit specifically for what we're watching this month um uh he co-wrote the church look yes and uh fulci's gates of hell trilogy so far we've watched um city of the living dead just the, when they first opened that gate mm-hmm and then we'll, the second one, The Beyond, oh, perhaps we're watching it this month. Mm. Ooh, mm-hmm. a teaser. Um, Sacchetti was not content with Argento's suggestion for the script, later stating that Argento brought in Franco Farini, who he felt only tried to please Argento. So, the demon should be in a Cena one. <laughs> this movie is called The Demons. We need the demons immediately. We need to know the motivation of the demons. We have to get into the demons' relationship with each other. <laughs> this, what if it was just a movie about demons? <laughs> That's the movie you should pitch to HBO. No, because then it'll end up like Underworld or some shit. You know, where it's like corny 90s comic book shit. Uh, I've blocked out most of Underworld from my mind. That's the Vampire's Werewolf one, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's bad. The the legendary battle oldest time, vampires versus werewolves. Fight two demons. <laughs> Let's give them as many guns as possible. Yeah, I mean, they're like <laughs> more killing machines, but also they need guns. I guess when you think about it, though, vampires probably would get fucked up by werewolves. I don't I mean, yeah, I guess the whole idea with, were- with vampires is they're not really doing the fighting themselves. You know, if you got a Dracula on your hands, you usually got some, like, lesser Draculas he's sending after you and like a whole village of maybe zombie people but well, he think, probably controls I mean, werewolves himself yes yeah, that's, that's the yeah. problem with you can't do werewolves for Draculas because Draculas and werewolves are our, our natural friends it depends on your own uh, mythology and lore that you create because it's all fanfic based off of Dracula anyway <laughs> <laughs> uh, after the release of a blade in the dark and the action film blast fighter Ooh. And science I'm into that one. That's the one we should be watching. <laughs> we might watch it eventually. Once we get to like the real bad stuff. Yeah, uh, it's me. I'm Blast Fighter. <laughs> Guess what I do? You fight and you blast and fight. Wrong. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm a chess master. <laughs> <laughs> um, he also uh, we, he did a science fiction horror film called Monster Shark. <laughs> wow. He's way out of the curve. When was this? This would have been pretty early, like 82, 83. Oh, my God. He, so whoever made Sharktopus owes him money. Well, obviously, Jaws came out in 75, and there was a lot of shark copycats. <laughs> but he was, Lombardo Bava is pushing the envelope by making it a monster shark. I wanted to do a zombie shark, but they say it's too crazy. <laughs> There's a shark that eats a zombie in Zombie 2 by Lucio Fulci. Oh. Uh, so after that, though, Bava considered writing a three-part horror film anthology Oh wow! with his friend Dardano Sacchetti. This would be similar to his father's film, Black Sabbath. I copy my dad. No one questioned me. <laughs> I have a job because of my father, so I copy my father. A papa. A papa. Look at my new film. Does he use recognize it? <laughs> uh, one of the stories that uh, Sacchetti uh, brought to Bava involved monsters that came from a movie theater screen and attacked the audience. Uh, Bava liked that story more than the other two, and he began developing it into a feature film that would become known as A Demons. A that's, a different, that's a definitely a different story than what we got. <laughs> I, the, the, uh, the nucleus is there. There's a, there's a movie theater and monsters come from it. <laughs> yeah. 
He's like, I just want a monster to pop out of a movie screen at some point. And also, isn't that like the how they promoted Dawn of the Dead? Not the the original one. Is there were zombies behind the screen? Oh yeah, that's true. So it's kind of like he saw that trailer and he was like, I have an idea. <laughs> hey, I have a papa. I'll put it into my. I think they did reuse that for the remake, but it originally started with the original Dawn of the Dead, and the, these these damn Mai Tais stole it. So Dardano it's like they stole Ethiopia. Yeah, World War II. <laughs> those sons of bitches. So Dardano and Bava took their 25-page treatment for the film to producer Fabrizio De Angelis, who wanted to use footage from Lucio Fulci's film as the film within a film to cut costs. That's another thing about Italian films. I was trying to save a little scratch. <laughs> Maybe we need to use the footage. Yeah, so Fabrizio's idea is instead of there being the film within the film being filmed for the film, it'd be like the, the people in the audience were just watching like fucking Zombie 2 or something, which doesn't really make sense with how the film plays out. No, not at all. But we've got to save that money. Luckily, a very powerful Italian man named Dario Argento stepped in. Uh, he's coming off recent success with Phenomena, so he's 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 just got Lira coming out the ears. Lira is what they use in Italy, right? I guess they have Euros Not now. anymore, but yeah. I think in the 80s it was probably Lira. He's got Lira coming out the wazoo, as they say. No, in Italy. It, was, uh, it was called Solidus. They used Solidus <laughs> back then, back in like, the Roman Empire. <laughs> uh, this one, it's got the face. This is uh, Emperor Diocletian. Argento previously had experience of being a producer for Dawn of the Dead. Ooh, oh. illustrious. And he's like, you know what? It's pretty easy to produce films because you put money into it and you get more money out of it. So he's he's shopping around like, I'm going to start producing films. I don't need to direct this shit anymore. I'm rich. Um, so first he gets a, a science fiction script from uh, Luigi Ocosi, uh, which he did not like. And then luckily, uh, Bava and Sacchetti showed up. And he's like, yes, I will produce demons. But I also, <laughs> my friend Farini's <laughs> going to come in and rewrite it. This is the script. Sheer garbage. <laughs> so uh, filming took place in Berlin and Rome. And then um, the entire time I was watching it, I was trying to see at what point they were ever in Rome because it seems like it's all Berlin. The exterior certainly seems like Berlin. Well, we'll find out more shortly about the um, cinema. <laughs> but first, let's talk about the cast because I just want to say more Italian names. All right, fair enough. <laughs> so uh, there are, um, I mean, well, the, the main characters. Like, the the actress, the main actress, I believe, I, I don't think is Italian. She is not. No, uh, we'll get through them first because I they're not like whatever. <laughs> I'm also questioning what the main dude, whether learning the main dude is Italian or not. I'm not. I'm. It's hard to tell. <laughs> Hold on, let me tell you his name, and you let me know if you think he's Italian. Okay. okay? Uh, it would be Urbano Barberini. Oh, well, um. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I'm up in the air on this one. <laughs> Where do you think that goes from? Huh? <laughs> uh, which I like his name because it reminds it reminded me that in uh, first or second grade, around that time period, I don't know what happened to this kid, but he wasn't one of the kids who like made it through our entire like school. Well, that's another thing. I don't know if it's common, but it certainly seems like in my kids are experiencing this too. Because maybe it's because we live in a poor neighborhood now, but like, people are just cycling in and out sometimes. Well, I just remember like um, all the white kids were disappearing at our school was the thing, except oh. for 
uh, refugees from like Ukraine and shit. <laughs> uh, like a Bruno Barberini. <laughs> yeah, but the, what it is is first or second grade. There's a kid in my class. His name was uh, Robert Barberini and Bobby Barberini. <laughs> and I was, that's just fucking. That's so well, fun. Remember at the end of the, end of the block there was Salvatore. <laughs> yeah, Salvatore. But yeah, Bobby Barberini. I just see alliteration of it. It's like that's that's wild, man. And I think his dad was also named Bobby Barberini. Oh, he was Bobby Barberini the third, I think, wasn't he? It was like stacked. Yeah, it was like the, Roberto Barberini had been his family's name for male heirs for like a thousand years. <laughs> But uh, yeah, just just a little funny anecdote, and the, I um honestly can't remember any other super Italian kids. I mean Salvatore, but I thought he was Spanish. No, he was Italian. Uh, you don't remember him talking about his uncle to Salvatore? <laughs> that's I think that's where my Italian accent comes from. <laughs> um, so Urba- Urbano Barberini in this film, he plays a character named George, who's a total dork. Uh, nobody likes him. Uh, I don't know much about him. Uh, he has a cool name. He has some small parts in like other Italian horror movies that uh, none of them I'm too familiar with. But he is still acting in Italian TV and shit, so good for him. Uh, and then Cheryl, the female lead you were talking about, her name is Natasha Hovey. Where do you think she's from? Fuck if I know. England? She's from, nah, she's from Beirut. She's Lebanese. <laughs> Beirut? Beirut, not Beirut? Italian. Natasha Hovey. That's not uh, what I consider a, a, a Lebanese name. I don't know. I don't, Hovey, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. If she's ethnically um, Lebanese, but she's from Beirut. But the thing is, Beirut is a very metropolitan place. Yeah. Lots of people from lots of different places. Well, I mean, it's been a city for about four thousand years. So. Yep, Beirut rules. I'd love to go to Beirut. Um, yeah, most of it was destroyed about a week ago. Yeah, I, I know. Well, that sucks. That's bad because their government sucks. Well, wouldn't they storing storing like fertilizer and munitions and shit? I never. I've yeah, read they had um so I, stories, but it seems like the they did the, some fucked up shit. Well, I think they confiscated some Russian ship that had um fertilizer on it that's often used for um munitions making, mm-hmm. and then they just left it in port for like years and it exploded. <laughs> and so negligence. And then that's, that's never a problem anywhere. No. So, I mean, Beirut, uh, Lebanon, just a real anomaly, a country that doesn't care about its people. It's real anomalous in this modern world. But I don't, I, hopefully Natasha Hovey wasn't there. I didn't see that she was dead. So she's probably still not in Beirut. After Demons, though, she just does Italian TV for a while. So I guess she must speak Italian. You think? Probably. I, I don't know. She's probably still just in Italia. I don't know though, because uh, Italia, Italy is known for dubbing over everything. In I fact, know, so fucking weird. They still do it now. Like you get fucking Oscar contenders, right? And like subtitles on that shit, not in Italy, dubbed over. <laughs> <laughs> and like they're like secretive about who the um, voice actors are. Like I was trying to figure out any voice actor for this film. Right, because there's obviously almost none of these people are doing their actual voices. Right, Bono, Burbano, Barberini is not does not sound like that. <laughs> no, <laughs> so I was like trying to see if there's any information you get about, it, and it's like no, not at all, uh, not Ooh. so much anymore. <laughs> it's like a luchador that takes off his mask. Kinda, yeah. I guess not so much more in modern times. Now it's like they're um, 
similar voice actors around the world now they get a little bit more uh, respect and accolades thrown at them in Italy so nowadays they're like yes I'm most respected voice actor in Italy for men or whatever shit like that but back in these days is they just pretend they didn't exist or something yes I, I did uh, Urbano Barberini in uh, Demania <laughs> Diamonds uh, yeah, so those are our stars and air quotes. Let's talk about the more interesting cast. As I mentioned, Dario, Dario Argento's, Argento's daughter, Fiora, is in it. She plays Hannah. That's the girl that's always making out. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> She's <forward>. also... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In Argento's produce, an Argento-produced film where his daughter's just making out with some dude. And he's like, I got the perfect role for you, sweetie. <laughs> you don't talk a lot, but your mouth is always moving. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, um, you're, you're not making me change my opinion of older Italian, man. That's for sure. Yeah, his other daughter, uh, Asia Argento, is in uh, the church um, and is also in the very uncomfortably sexually aggressive scene. So I don't know. I, we'll talk about it. Next week, because next week we're watching the church. Oh, uh, surprise! Next week we're watching La Chiesa. Um, this daughter, though, Fiora, was also in Phenomena, Dario Argento's film that came out a little bit before this movie, the one that made him rich, rich beyond his wildest dreams. <laughs> I got the money, the money is mine. Money I want the money, give me the money. Uh, his other daughter, though, I sell my artistic dignity for the money. I guess we could wait to talk about it next week when we watch the church, but his other daughter, Asia Argento, um, somewhat more famous specifically because she is in Land of the Dead. <gasps> yeah, remember Land of the Dead? They meet a badass lady who they, they get thrown into the zombie pits and they save her and then she's badass. <gasps> that's Asia Argento. Asia Argento. Yep, that's Dario Argento's daughter. Oh, we also got Goretta Goretta, who plays Rosemary, one of the sex workers. She's an American actress, director, screenwriter, and producer. She appears in tons of Italian films. She had a singing career in Italy. She's a dancer. She's all about civil rights and um, uh, fucking all sorts of cool stuff. She's a cool, interesting lady. Check her out. I don't know how much information you can find about her on the internet, but by check it out, I mean just go watch some other Italian films. She'll be in them. I don't know which which, uh, which of the sex workers this one she particularly is, but uh, I did find it uh, kind of funny that just like in American films and Italian horror movies, the mm. black person dies first. Well, uh, that is Goretta Goretta. She is <laughs> a black woman who dies, uh, becomes a first demon, demon in the film. Speaking of the only other black character in the film, Bobby Rhodes. Pimp? That's right. Bobby Rhodes. He plays Tony the Pimp. Does he do his own voice? Because it did not seem like it. That sounds like Mr. T's doing it, huh? <laughs> well, someone doing a doing Mr. Mr. T. T. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing is in the 80s, uh, Bobby Rose... That's kinda, how a lot of people talk to No, Bobby Rose kind of had a Mr. T thing going on in Italy in the 80s, but um, Bobby Rose is like the, the black exploitation king of Italy, which it's, I know that kind of doesn't make sense because you think black exploitation films should be probably made by black people in um, America. Unfortunately... They weren't always done that way. And sometimes they were made in Italy by Italian men. <laughs> and so um, Bobby Rose appeared in a lot of those. He's in like the 70s grindhouse war movies, giallo horror, uh, exploitation shit. He's just a big time star in Italy. Never the leading man for some reason. In, a, in an Italian movie? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's weird. But he's in a lot of movies. Uh, he shows up in Demons too as well, but he plays a different character because that's how 
That's how strong he is. <laughs> he's he's Jimmy the pimp. <laughs> yeah, he's just he just plays a different pimp now. Uh, yeah, so that's Bobby Rose. He's cool too. Check him out. Check out some of the movies he's in. Um, I don't know. He's just he's just an interesting character from Italy. And uh, he was born and raised in Italy. I do not know if he. I think he speaks Italian only Italian. So the voice actor is probably not Bobby Rose. <laughs> as you said, a someone attempting a Mr. T voice. A pity the fool that smokes jazz cigarettes <laughs> in a movie theater. They were smoking jazz cigarettes. And they they were just, yeah, I mean they're literally just cigarettes. But <laughs> yeah. he also had a switchblade, as pimps are wont to do. I know. I've seen. Uh... Pimp movies. <laughs> Famous pimps. <laughs> Famous pimps. <clears throat> oh, and finally, the most important, the most illustrious member of the cast, Mikel Suave. Mikel Suave. He's the director of one of Kyle's favorite films, Cemetery Man. We watched it on my birthday. Um, because for some reason, 80s Italian cinema and uh, 70s, 80s Japanese cinema have major effect on like the aesthetics and shit that I like. Don't know why. It just kind of happened that way. But uh, so that's why I love Cemetery Man. He also uh, directs the church, La Chiesa, which we'll watch next week. Uh, we've also seen him already in City of the Living Dead. Yeah, yeah. I remember he, was, he plays the guy that's uh, crazy and looks sick all the time. <laughs> <laughs> He's also in uh, Tenebri, one of Dario Argento's best films, A Knife in the Dark, etc., etc. As mentioned previously, he's like part of the boys club. He seems to be like the um, little bro that everyone had a lot of faith in because it's all the quotes about him are like Argento and uh, Bava and shit talking about oh yeah he's gonna he'll lead the Italian cinema into the 90s and he kind of does with Cemetery Man but then doesn't do too much which we he's gonna about. he's gonna win an Oscar in America I can tell it I'm be badass um yeah he's doing a lot of work in this movie like I said so he's in the he he plays the weird Terminator of the opera character that hands out the tickets and then gets murdered <laughs> at the end yep I'm here for some reason. Yeah, and then um, he's also one of the dudes in the film within a film, and then yeah, I thought just, they were supposed to be related. I, I, I thought the film within I don't know, you know what I mean? Like I thought that they were actually supposed to be the same dude. Uh, maybe I don't know. <laughs> it's an Italian film; they don't talk about it. <laughs> um, and then yeah, he's also the assistant director on this film. He was, he was assistant director on a bunch of Argento's movies too. That's kind of how he got started. And he also appears in those Argento movies. And then sometimes he's just like the sound guy, the cameraman, or I don't know, maybe he does costumes sometimes. <laughs> Electricity. He's, he's, he's all. I want you a makeup, a makeup person, huh? A makeup boy. He's just a real Renaissance Give me the man. rosy cheeks. He's uh, similar to another famous Italian. He's similar to Leonardo da Vinci. He could do it all. <laughs> did you design a helicopter made out of wood? Yeah, that's his helicopter that crashes through the roof of the building. He built it himself. That's why I crashed. <laughs> Shit. So, the building used for the exterior of the Metropole Theater still stands in Berlin. <clears throat> it's a club called Goya now. <laughs> that's uh, we're boycotting them, right? I, I don't know. They, I guess they host horror. They host horror conventions there. Because of it being in this film. So it'd be pretty cool to go there and check it out. Berlin seems like a dope place. I'd be interested in going to Berlin. 
Maybe that's where I'll go when everything falls apart in the United States. Okay, I think Berlin's coming with us. Berlin? Berlin? Berlin's unstoppable. Germany, their their bureaucracy is so powerful. <laughs> no one can stop Germany. Germany, Through paperwork. But, but the Metropole can also be seen as a building in the very first Silent Hill video game. Oh. So, um, let's talk about some of the dumb shit in this movie. <laughs> Uh, what's what? Why? What do you like when we check in with the four punks that are in a different movie than? What we're <laughs> <laughs> I like that. There's three movies in this movie, and they all, they all, eventually, none of them make sense. Yeah, they all eventually cross over, but for no purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and for I mean, these guys are in it for no fucking reason. Well, they're in it, I think, just so there can be some more kills in the theater for some reason. But they could have just, you know, had more audience members. Yeah, let's uh, let's follow in these four punks listening to some mm, uh, Italio disco, <laughs> right. snorting cocaine out of a coca cola can. That's badass though. Like they got a coke can that's actually full of coke. That's cute. I mean, that's <laughs> it'd be impossible to snort coke out of a fucking long ass straw. Well, yeah, you could do it. It'd just be like you'd definitely end up getting like way too much. <laughs> you pass out just from the fucking <laughs> suction of it. <laughs> oh shit, we fed an overdose tonight. That reminds me of one time on New Year's Eve a few years ago where, like, um, this girl I hadn't seen in a while, like a friend of mine, but we hadn't seen each other in months because I don't remember where she was at, but she wasn't around. And, like, it was like, oh, yeah, cool, glad to see you. And, like, it was one of those things where, like, you're at a house party and, like, it's just like you and one other person are, like, feeling each other's vibe that night. So the night becomes, like, your night sort of thing. So that meant, like, we were, like, making out and doing cocaine and shit. But um, at one point, we were in the bathroom and she was like taking a piss and I was like way too fucked up at that point to like really be in charge of the cocaine but like I was doing my best and then she stopped peeing and she's like damn those are some fat lines and I was like hell yeah we found an overdose tonight <laughs> <laughs> that's right what you want to hear oh she was into it so in your face <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know it's gonna be like real shit it's like you know what yeah this, this is highly romantic that's my style of romance. <laughs> so yes, dirt let's, romance. Let's die together on New Year's Eve. I, I've talked about it before. I'm a dirt person. Like fucking um, Sid and Nancy, perfect romance. <laughs> yeah. I want to beat my uh, future wife. <laughs> no, I want to stab her to death. Oh, Sid, you. Sorry, I'm sorry. You're right. <laughs> Sid Vicious was too weak to beat anyone to death. He couldn't even beat a child to death. <laughs> yeah, cocaine strength. <laughs> Uh, speaking of that cocaine scene, though, uh, it's edited out um, in a lot of versions. It's kind of controversial because I don't know. It's the 80s. I like cocaine is everywhere. What I like about it is when they spill the cocaine and then they meticulously like razor blade it off the upholstery into an uh, envelope. And I was like, you know, yeah, that's what you would do. And I was like, yeah, that's a really good instructional scene. Obviously, I don't, it depends on like how much effort you would want to put into it because I know myself as poor as I am. If I like wasted cocaine like that, it might just be wasted. <laughs> um, I don't know if you're like really love cocaine and you don't want to waste any of it. That's exactly what you do. And you get really creepy with the only girl in your group. <laughs> yeah, they kind of um, tried to make it seem like maybe one of the uh, other dudes is uh, not straight, though. So I was like, maybe, um, I don't know, maybe they're more fun loving than they seem. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, maybe they're open to new new ideas. I mean, they seem like kind of like uh, a little prickish. They seem like little pricks. Well, yeah, they seem like the weird 80s misunderstanding of punks that are in most 80s movies where it's like, yeah, they're up to no good. They don't believe in anything. <laughs> which, I mean, some... which turns out to be a lot of punks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched uh, The Decline of Western Civilization again the other day. The one about the L.A. like early hardcore scene. And they're like talking to Darby Crash from the Germs. And obviously, like that kid's dumb as shit. He can barely speak. He's so fucking dumb. But it's <laughs> like, uh, that was what you really think. I was just like, oh my god, these <laughs> some of these people are just absolute trash. <laughs> That's L.A. for you though, because uh, the Bay Area scene was different. They got Bay Area scene got clowned on for being hippies because they were actually talking about shit. <laughs> you hippie babies. Oh, you care? Ooh. Yeah, That's the people used to clown on Gilman Street. Because they like <laughs> had political thoughts and ideals, but they were the ones that like got chains and bats and like beat up the skinheads from Sacramento when they would come to town. That's real shit. Not L.A. In L.A., you guys were wearing, still wearing swastika shirts and acting like it was okay. Fucking losers. <laughs> Anyhow, that's me gatekeeping punk rock again for a time period I wasn't alive for. Try to keep up. <laughs> yeah, I guess Gilman Street. Well, Gilman Street's still kind of around, but it was like dead by the time I was like into punk rock scene and moved on. Rancid was famous. It was all over. Oh, God. Uh, oh, God. All right, yeah, so cocaine punks. Why are they even in the movie? I don't know. I was going to ask you the same question. It's just fucking, they're just in it. It's, I don't there's know. Hair. It's like, hey, he's a little slice of life of these kids driving around Berlin. <laughs> yeah, so there's a, a complaint among um horror fans or just cinema fans in general that are familiar with you know different eras of cinema and that sort of thing people will tend to always think that these italian movies are like really confusing and don't make any sense and i disagree i don't think there's anything confusing about demons there's just a lot of um shit in it that doesn't make sense but it doesn't affect the story at all I mean, it's so, not really much of a story. Here's the story: they, uh, they, this girl for some reason is going to skip class uh, to go watch a movie, and it goes from daytime to nighttime in that why, time period. Yeah, but also the start of the movie is she sees the Terminator of the opera, and um, is totally terrified of him and shit, right? And then she's like, "Yeah, I'll go to the movie." And then he, yeah, she he gives her the ticket, and she's like, "Oh, can I get another one so I can bring my friends?" And well, then like, she, because uh, she, she realized that he wasn't actually terrifying. He was just like a performance artist. Right. I, I guess. I was thinking, though, what if she just loved the thrill of it? <laughs> Six in the year. <laughs> I guess the, that's my point. First off, Terminator the Opera doesn't make any sense. Uh, why, is he being, <laughs> why is he being creepy on the subway just to hand out tickets? Um, why is no one like, hey, dude, are you okay? What's up with your face? <laughs> Um, and they just, whoa, cool ticket to this theater for a movie I've never heard of. You bet, buddy. He, uh, he's like, I'm on the way to, to, to scare Wyatt you know, from Weird Science. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then he doesn't show up again until the very end. We don't know what his connection is. <laughs> he shows up for no reason. He's like, hey, I'm on the roof now. Oh, God, my face. But I guess you might be right. Maybe he is the same Mikhail Suave that's in the film, in a film, who puts on the mask and becomes a murderer. And then eventually the mask starts to grow out of his face or some shit. Yeah, and then he starts spreading it to the populace at large. That's the only way it makes sense. But then I maybe I'm just giving them too much credit. I'm writing the story for them. Maybe that is. I mean, all the elements are in there. They don't mention it at all. 
But I mean, um, this the four punks do not feature into this at all. They're just there. You know, I mean, they still don't make any sense. Yeah, I really don't get it because it's uh, it's just to up the body count. And but it's like just you could have just written them being in the theater. You know what I mean? Like, why did they have their own little? Because you gotta see what they're up to, and they have to have some way for the zombie to escape. I guess that's maybe that's the only reason they're in it. Yeah, I guess. But so is in them. Sorry, yeah, yeah, the demons, right? Get it right, buddy. That's (laughs) in twenty-eight days later. Those aren't zombies. Those are infected. Get it right, loser. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The plague on them. So is the punks breaking into the theater and letting a demon out what causes the demon outbreak? Because it seems like the demon outbreak is kind of just... It, it's escalated to such a point already by the time they get out of the theaters that it had to have like started hours ago. Yeah, that's crazy to, to me too. Like The time frame doesn't seem to make sense. Uh, man, I've Italian cinema, you fucking love it. <laughs> you love it. <laughs> uh, my favorite part was uh, Chekhov's Dirt Bike and Samurai Sword. Well, I mean, if you're going to introduce a dirt bike in a samurai sword, you better use it, just like Chekhov said. <laughs> so when he gets the dirt bike, obviously his initial, he's like, all right, I'm going to rescue that girl. And he gets her, and then he just starts doing laps, like, because he's got nothing else to do, right? He's like, fuck it, I'll keep yeah. doing laps and chopping up these demons, because I can't get out or anything. This is the end of my plan. He's like, I think I read somewhere that samurais were actually like demon slayers in ancient Japan, so uh, <laughs> here I go. <laughs> I'm a little bit disappointed by that scene as an adult now, because in my imagination, the I remember the effects of him like chopping up zombies being more brutal. But I must like time made fools of us all. Yeah, I conflated it with like Quentin Tarantino style blood effects or something. Because it's really just a bunch of quick cuts with a little bit of mist. A little bit of mist will come out once in a while. And every yeah. once in a while, they'll show, they'll show like a. I think they, I think the usher, the ticket taker, gets penetrated. Yeah, but actually, in general, um, demons isn't as splatterfesty as I remember it being at all. It's got like cool gore, practical gore effects, but I just remember it being like so grimy and bloody in like my teenage years. But watching it now, I'm like, uh, eh, this is pretty tame. There's a lot of like pustules exploding and stuff, which is always <laughs> fun, but. Don't it's see more that like Dr. Anymore. Pimple Popper than anything. Yeah, and people are into that shit, so you can show this to your kids. <laughs> it's only a move for the kids. I don't think they'd be interested in it, honestly, because the pacing's weird, but I don't know. It's something defensive. <laughs> well, what's what's going on? Who are these people? Why do yeah. I care? <laughs> the fuck? She put on the mask, so what? It's definitely made of plastic. You can tell the props are made of plastic. Also, Nostradamus? <laughs> well, how did they hire the ticket taker? Cause she wasn't in on it. I thought she was gonna be on it. That was what made would make more sense. And she's also giving a lot of coy looks at the camera. But I guess yeah. we're just supposed to think that she's sexy instead. Well, I think it's just um, the theater exists and operates normally. There's just like some magic ritual going on, being propagated by like outside interests that yeah, by the not ever interests. The hills have eyes, dude. Yeah. So yeah, the theater. As far as the theater knows, they're just showing like a sneak peek of some movie, right? And some some third party came in and set up the motorbike and the mask and shit, and was like, "Oh yeah, this going this will be very great time," as they would say in Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone they believed them. Turns oh, out he's, he's fine. Dark magic ritual that has something to do with Nostradamus, because. Whatever. I forgot about, I forgot about that part. <laughs> well, I just like thinking. Someone will um, say the crotch rain, a quatrain. 
I just like thinking of them writing the script where they're like, what's like a spooky historical figure? Nostradamus, that fucking works, whatever. Did he ever talk about demons? Nah, not really, but, you know. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Predicting future events with flowery language just by coincidence. Is that demonic? I don't know. Whatever. It's all the same. Uh, I, think the, I think the Bible says it is. <laughs> it's all the occult shit, whatever. And then when they find his tomb and they they have to spell out half his name before they're like, Nostradamus. <sighs> Even though they're like, hey, this is the place where Nostradamus is buried. <laughs> yeah. They got dirt bikes in the movie, which explains why there's a dirt bike in the lobby. So take that, jerks who think there's not any uh, coherency to the plot. <laughs> <laughs> Makes perfect so, sense. Set it up perfectly. I'm pretty sure we already explained the entire plot. Um, there's not anything to it. <laughs> Terminator Opera's like, hey, I have some tickets. She's like, let me get another one, Big Daddy. And they go to the movie, they meet some Italian creeps who end up being heroic creeps. And in fact, they're actually at no point really that creepy. They're just, you know, doing flirty kid stuff. And then... I don't um, know, that that uh, tie your sweatshirt over your shoulders is a creep move. He 100% is a sexual predator. Oh, that's I don't a good care point. how nice he turned out in the movie, but he eventually would try to touch her inappropriately. Probably, probably. Bobby Rose would have sorted him out. <laughs> kind of hard pimp with the heart of gold. And then um, one of uh, the sex workers puts on the mask. She gets a little cut. Um, and in congruency with the movie within the film, turns into a demon. Starts spreading the demon disease. A lot of people survive for way longer than they need to. Like Dario Argento's daughter keeps having near misses. But, and then eventually. No, no, just, no. I want her to make out more. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this a is more not, tongue, oh, sweetie. A more tongue. Yeah, and like the ticket collector usher lady just keeps having near misses, but then eventually dies sort of ignobly anyways. So what was the point? Yeah, I don't know. That Italian movies, man. I don't think they're confusing. They're just not the scripts aren't that tight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you're confusing confusing with uh poor writing. Yeah. It's it's not confusing at all. It's just they're playing real real loose with uh, what the story they're telling. They're we have a camera like, and a man with a makeup on. What do you want? Yeah, the, like the Italian films, what's great about them is occasionally Dario Argento does have like legitimately good films. Most of the time, they're just like, let's do some core, cool gore effects. Let's make this shit look like super vibrant and fun and just have a good time. Let's get the kids out there, have a good time. And that's why Italy is the best. Maybe I'll go to Italy. They're still playing Italo Disco. Like I don't know. I think if you're afraid of fascism, Italy, Italy is not where you want to go. They like to party in Italy, though, don't they? Oh, boy, do they. They like to fascist party. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of countries have flirted with fascism. A lot of countries are flirting with it again. So my point is nowhere safe. So you just got to go to a place that knows how to party the best. Italy. So as uh, goofy as Demons is, it was the 39th highest grossing film in Italy in 1985. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, wow. Wow. Ooh. <laughs> How many movies do you think came out in Italy in uh, 1985? Oh, I'm assuming they're going to include like the foreign releases too, right? Or you think that's a 39th Italian movie in Italy? Well, yeah, this is including all like all films released in Italy, not just Italian oh, Okay, so like it's up against like 1985 like Back to the Future and stuff. Yeah, it's up against like actual American blockbusters and shit. Uh, whew. how many actual Italian movies did they release? I got to imagine it's like 15 15 at most. 
No, I actually went and looked on uh, Wikipedia in 1985 for Italy. They released 43 movies. Oh, hey, good for them. And Italy was pumping them out in the 80s. Not so much anymore. I don't know what happened with their film industry. I guess it became too expensive to compete. It seems, uh, well, it's, it's cheaper than ever to make movies now. Um, yeah, you, I, I, you could at least the way like, Italians move and make them. Yeah, you could easily just like pump out some more Italian horror now. I feel like you do it digitally, even though digital film looks so bad. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, okay, so it's like it's like too far. It's like looking at a piece of paper. That's like Quentin Tarantino. I guess you I'm, I'm Quentin Tarantino is insufferable. I will agree with that. He's a weird guy. But he makes some good movies, and he generally knows what he's talking about <laughs> when it comes to film history. I agree with them. Like, there's quality of film looks so. Maybe it's just because of my the lifetime I've had with movies, where I just prefer film because that looks cinematic to me, as opposed to digital. But digital does look fucking flat. Uh, the you can never have like as expressive of lighting or color temperature in digital. Everyone's always trying to put these fucking shitty like filters into it, so everything ends up monochromatic yeah, or like fucking flushed in yellow or blue. It's I don't, I, I don't know. I fucking I hope no one ever or like they don't take up the uh, frame rate shit. I hate that. Oh, I, it, it makes it look so fucking weird too. Like when the frame rates like what, like when they did it for the Hobbit. Like, I saw the first Hobbit in theaters where it was filmed with that specific camera where the frame rate was like. Can't remember what the speed is, but it just looks so fucking weird. It's like watching a soap opera. Yeah, it is not good. I've, I don't care if the picture looks better. It looks... I, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. And that's been our review of Demons. <laughs> no, wait. The film was distributed elsewhere in the world in 1986. So about a year later, because the film came out October 4th in uh, Italia, but then didn't come out until summertime in 86 in other places. Well, very successful in the United States, France, and Hong Kong. And then they were planning to release it in the United Kingdom, but um, it was canceled, and it didn't ever really have a formal release there. So, oh, no. I don't know. There's some stuffy British people were too scared, I'm sure. <laughs> it's like, I don't want those dirty eye time movies. Damn Italians making their spooky films. Uh, shockingly, to me, I thought it would have a lower score. Honestly, Demons has sixty percent approval rating on Rotten Tomato. Mm, yeah, I mean, it seems like one of those movies that you people give a lot of leeway to because it's like a late night cinema kind of thing. That's true. That's a good way of looking at it. I just didn't think like contemporaneously people would have that appreciation of it. Well, I mean, also too, it's probably some selection bias. Like a lot of people going out to review it aren't are purposely looking to watch Demons. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, like Joe Bob Briggs would go out of his way to review this film. Yeah. Sort of thing. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, and there was like uh, genre film publications and shit in the 80s already, so they would have been going out of their way to check out the film and then be like, I love it, love Italian, love Italian horror film. What did Roger Ebert say, though? Uh, did not review. <laughs> <laughs> but Leonard Maltin gave the film oh. one and a half out of four, out of four stars. He uh, criticized the film's lack of characterization, logic, yep. and plot. Mm-hmm. All true. So it's a fair criticism, but what did you think of the gore effects, Mr. Malton? What about what about when a a dude dead now? We can't ask him. Yeah, what about when a dude gets on a fucking dirt bike and starts chopping demons? Did you even think about that, Malton? Did you like when they they cut the the woman's titty? (laughs) What about uh, 
the one scene where the demons run up a ramp with spooky eyes. Ooh. It was beautiful. <laughs> what about when the, oh, the walls were all drippy and gross? Uh, yuck. What about uh, the uh, the stunt casting cameo appearance of the little blonde-haired kid, Giovanni Freza, <laughs> <laughs> eating a sausage? You can tell he's a Berliner because he's got um, a schnitzel. <laughs> oh, I am from Dusseldorf. That's not schnitzel. I apologize, German listeners. Yeah, schnitzel is like schnitzel's so uh, beat up chicken. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you can tell he's a Berliner because he's got his little sausage roll. He's ready to go. <laughs> Germans love their sausages. I do too, though. Don't worry about it, Germany. <clears throat> You're gonna get a, get a lot of flack when you move to Berlin. No, I won't, because I'll be out there eating sausages with the best of them. <laughs> I'm a big old sausage belly. No bratwurst. <laughs> bratwurst. Um, uh, also, Kim Newman stated in the monthly film bulletin, which is some publication at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the fuck that is. Man. Uh, Demon suffers from the same uncertain, over-emphatic tone that brought down producer Dario Argento's own Phenomena. Which, uh, the Phenomena is a pretty good movie. I don't know what she's talking about. And that the film has horror effects aplenty, gory deaths, transformations into dribbling monsters. And a demon bursting out of a girl's back. And an interesting set of ideas and situations. But flounders badly as it tried to build up a high-energy cumulative effect. So, yeah. But (laughs) it has a demon bursting out of a girl's back that doesn't make any sense physically. Fucking rules, Kim Newman. You even said it yourself. That's like the best fucking scene in the movie. Because first you're like, oh, she's really throwing it back. What's happening here? And then, oh no, a demon's coming out of her. And you're like, I'm into this. She didn't even want to come to this stupid movie. This is all your fault. Yeah, she's like, this is all your fault, Cheryl. Was it Cheryl? I forget. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Who cares? It was your fault, Haley. Give her a real white girl, man. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, basically, critics just hate having a good time. I don't know how you could go to a movie where after an hour and 20 minutes... A beautiful Italian girl has her back split open by a demon and jumps out and slashes at a beautiful Italian man and be like, you know what? This is anything less than four stars. Ridiculous. I fucking Star Wars doesn't have a demon coming out of someone's back. Yeah, they cut that. That was a big mistake, George Lucas's wife. <laughs> it was definitely in the original screenplay when they go to Cloud City. <laughs> that Darth Vader pops out of someone's back. <laughs> I, use, I use the force. That'd be pretty badass. Uh, following the commercial success of Demons, Argento and his collaborators... It's Stitton Ha <laughs> They immediately started working on a sequel titled Demons 2. Did they pick off right where you left off with the family in the Jeep? Nah. Fuck that shit. <laughs> uh, they it's began- Italia. They don't need the continuity. Yeah, no, they're, they're loosely related. Uh, began shooting in May nineteen ninety May nineteenth nineteen eighty six and then was released on October 9th, nineteen eighty six. So Holy basically shit. just a year. Pace there. Yeah, basically just a year apart, year and five days. And then Barva Bava was spoke of the third sequel as early as January of nineteen eighty seven. So just a few months later, and the project for the third film later changed hands to eventually become a film directed by Michel Suave called. La Chiesa, <gasps> which is what we're watching next week. Oh, no. We, we got to watch Demon 2, otherwise the, the, I'm sure the story won't make any sense. We're never watching Demon 2 until next year when we go to Italy again. <laughs> oh, man. Then the story's going to be all disjointed. 
Um, and then uh, Lombardo Bava did have a television film called The Ogre that was released outside of Italy as Demons 3, The Ogre, but it doesn't have anything to do with demons. Also, the church doesn't have anything to do with demons, even though it's there, at one point was going to be the third one. Is there demons in it? There is a lot of weird religious Catholic sexual shit, if you can imagine it from an Italian film. Hmm. And then real quick, so I don't forget, like last week, let's talk about the music real quick in Demons. Um, a lot of the soundtrack is really lame 80s shit. Billy Idol, Except, Motley Crue, Rick Springfield, Pretty Maids, Go West, The Adventures, and fucking Saxon. Ugh. Billy Idol's the best of that bunch. Ugh. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's not saying much. It's all a bunch of garbage. And then Billy Idol, who's okay sometimes. <laughs> so that part sucks. However... The original music that was created for the film was made by Claudio Simonetti, who is a member of Goblin. <gasps> Next week, we will talk more about Goblin. Goblin <gasps> rules. Goblin does the soundtrack for La Chiesa, so we'll talk about him more. Goblin's the best. Everyone's like, oh, Tangerine Dream this, John Carpenter that. Wrong, asshole. Goblin. <laughs> Wrong, asshole. Giorgio Moroder. That's a uh, that's what okay, the but sex worker said. Wrong asshole. <laughs> Wrong asshole. <laughs> you know, if um body modification ever becomes like super mainstream and easy, do you think people will be getting like extra buttholes? First, we gotta get like. Do you think people are gonna get the double? You're like, oh, I, I, yeah, I'm like, give me that I double dick. No, no, no. I already got the peepees. Give me that puss. I want to be able to fuck myself. Oh. That might be interesting. <laughs> I can't believe you even think about that already. I'm, I mean, I'm sure I have. I think about. But you're right. You know, double dick because you can get you, or maybe you'll triple dick because if you get that third asshole, you need a third dick to plug it up. Mm-hmm. Do you ever see that dude on Reddit who had? Um, he was born with two dicks. Nope. It's pretty cool. What kind of body modification would I want to get? I don't know. I've always wanted tail. to get, get my tongue split, but uh, the, tail. I'll, maybe I'll get my tongue split someday, anyways. But it's just like. The fact that it's like not done by like surgeons kind of stresses me out. It seems like that's one of those things where like I don't know if a piercer should be the one to split the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, lots of people have it and it's worked out. I don't know. Um, Grace Neutral, the famous tattoo artist, she had her belly button removed. Yeah, you can do that. I mean, they do that with a tummy tuck. Oh, really? I have to give you a new one sometimes. Oh, but if you didn't get one, you'd have an alien belly like Grace Neutral. Right. A lot of people have their um, ears modified to have elf ears. They don't ever look that like perfect though. Yeah. Also, who wants to look like a fucking elf? I don't know. I had a friend who was gonna have hers done, and I stopped being her friend for uh, different reasons. Just people. My name's Galadriel. She already looked like. I think we talked about her in the um, fucking Dark Crystal episode because she already looked like a gelfling. (laughs) (laughs) She's all little, had like a little gelfling face, and she's like, "I don't get elf ears," and I was like, "Do it." You should do it. So hopefully I'm going to get a tail, like a monkey tail. Monkey tail? Something I can wear like a belt. I think it might be cool to have whiskers. Mm, I don't even know what things I can fit into. I don't know, but hopefully it happens and everyone can have the body they want with three dicks. Instead <laughs> of nipples, I want mouths. Instead <laughs> of nipples, I want dicks. <laughs> I want dicks everywhere. Fingers, no. Dicks. Ooh. Dicks would be such a common sight; it will no longer be strange to see a handful of dicks. <laughs> That's always going to be weird. Just imagine <laughs> no. that, a handful of floppy dicks. 
I can imagine lots of things. None of it is bothersome to me. Limit experience. <laughs> I'm just saying a handful of floppy dicks should never not be disturbing to you. I mean, I've like already seen artistic depictions of it. It seems fine to me. I think it'd be all right. Yeah, that's the, like uh, so Cyberpunk, the game's coming out. They didn't even consider any of this shit. They're just like... <laughs> that's why they should have put you on the team. I mean, they're uh, a little throwing a little bit of a bone, like you can be non-binary and shit like that, and like change your voice and physicality. Is that match, a little bit of a bone? I guess. Gender. I mean, it, it seems like you might you'll probably be able to um, create whatever you consider your gender as. You know, what I mean, there's like fluidity and looseness to it, so you can maybe create a character that's representative of you. But I'm a robosexual. I don't think there's anything in it about like having two dicks or having like turn your vagina into a weapon i don't know if you can do that <laughs> the vagina already is a weapon kyle haven't you been paying attention to insult literature oh you mean like the malice mouth of Karim? yeah the Did oldest you- <laughs> the oldest the most popular form of insult literature <laughs> uh the hammer of the bad women have you ever read the malice mouth of Karim? fuck no <laughs> i have because um for a, a, a story i wanted to write it has to do with it which it's actually the screenplay I want to write is reincorporating it, uh, but uh, it's all of it is like women are bad because there was this one woman who I thought was hot in the village, but then my dick stopped working and it's her fault. <laughs> like all of, it, all of it is like, yeah, women cast a spell so my dick doesn't work anymore. <laughs> but it's just, you know, impotence from being old men. And it's, yeah, fucking women made it so my dick doesn't work. <laughs> Shit doesn't change, huh? That's another aspect about Italian film uh, I like is um, it's just like casu- casually like um, problematic. You know what I mean? Like they didn't intentionally try to be uh, misogynistic or anything. It's just like a byproduct of like weird 80s Italian shit. And it's even like not that bad. It's just kind of like whatever. Because they don't treat anyone like humans in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> so that's an interesting aspect of Italian cinema. Uh, there'll be plenty more to talk about as we go further on into the films. Uh, next week, of course, is La Chiesa, Michele Suave, which is um, a much more visually appealing movie than Demons. Not as gory, though. But like I said, there's some weird sexual stuff in it. No pustules. Yeah, I can't remember if there's any sexual assault in it. But It's an m- Italian horror movie, so probably. There might be, so if you tend to avoid that shit. Uh, that is the warning that there might be sexual assault in it. I can't quite recall. Check it out. Unless you don't like that sort of stuff, then don't check it out, but still listen to the podcast because we'll talk about it without um, showing you sexual assault. Because it's, it's a podcast. It's, it's an auditory medium. We probably yep. won't talk about it that much. Yep. I, the, thing, the thing is, I can't remember if there's legitimate sexual assault. I do know there's a creepy scene with Dario Argento's daughter. So um, there's a shark, which makes me think that uh, it might not be safe for people that have more sensitive viewing habits, trying to be more responsible about that. I know in previous episode, I said, stop being babies. You like baby shit. But I actually understand if it's like a personal sensitivity sort of thing like that. Still stands, though. Stop caring about baby shit. Your politics shouldn't be defined by Steven Universe. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) So next week, the church, the Chiesa. We're gonna be on Twitch again. Uh, yeah, you, I forget what movie you said we're gonna watch, but it was an Italian affair again. 
Oh, yeah, uh, Blood and Black Lace. Mario Blood Bava. and the Black Lace. It sounds like a sexy one. It's uh, Mario Bava. It's Lumberto's dad. Oh, God. Oh, shit. It's uh, one of the classic giallos. Um, I got uh, my friend to watch it the other day because she was looking for recommendations on Amazon Prime. And I was like, check this out. It's fucking great. It's exactly what you're looking for. And she's like, maybe it's because I was drinking at the same time. But I didn't understand that movie at all. And I was like, nope. you're not supposed to. It just looks great. And she's like, sure did. It, it had a lot of moodiness to it. <laughs> it's an Italian movie. They don't make any sense at all. Nah, you, if you you watch them a few times, you kind of get the gist. But otherwise, you're just like, man, this is, I'm having a good time. The Church, Friday, we will be on Twitch to watch Blood and Black Lace. VHS or twitch.tv slash VHS underscore cult, KVLT. VHScult.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Spotify, iTunes, rate and review. Tell your friends. Leave comments in like the Red Letter Media's YouTube comments. I'm trying to work. who who has a similar audience. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't listen know. to podcasts. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't listened to podcasts in a long ass time. Don't want to hear the haters, the competition. I'm not on the same level. I'm not on the same level as these nerds. Generally, I'm not because they're usually like they at least like went to university and got a degree and stuff. And they allow themselves as like a professional comedian or like a journalist or some shit. And I'm just, nah, uh, that's not me. Not about it. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't be me. Either that or there's like a straight up celebrity who's trying to dip into poor people's pockets, Bella Thorne. <laughs> I was going to make that joke. Damn it. <laughs> I was waiting for it like a shark. Conan O'Brien's just as bad. Get off the airways, Conan. Conan's not as bad. Well, he didn't, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't scam anybody out of money. He's taking money straight out of my pocket. <laughs> He's reaching in there and snatching the red Can out. only be room for two red-headed um, podcast guys. <laughs> well, you got to start their OnlyFans because the celebrities haven't realized that they can make a shit ton of money for very little effort. And... Uh, it's not going to ruin it for anybody there. Well, I mean, you can't now because um, OnlyFans doesn't have money to pay people because of both. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> fucking refund yeah. shit. Yeah, because so, you can't, uh, so you can't make any money now. So thanks, fucking Bella Thorne. She wasn't even getting them out or anything. You can, there wasn't even booty hole pics. I, I mean, I... I... I, I, I don't. Know I don't fans can be whatever you want it to be, or whatever. Right. But, yeah. From Obama, from like a standpoint, I never really understood for why anybody really like paid for for porn to this extent. You know what I mean? Like I remember going to uh, oh, they're paying, video. They're paying for the, the connection. Yeah, but there's for. no. You're not paying for it. There's no connection. Right? Yeah, well, you know how people are really into podcasts and everything's a really parasitic social relationships. And yeah, that's why I'm trying have... to get wrapped into our parasitic social relationship yeah. instead of Bella Thorns. Well, that's what they're. That's what people are actually selling on OnlyFans. Well, then, get your dick out, Kyle. Well, the same reason I don't subscribe to any OnlyFans is the same reason I don't listen to podcasts because I can't allow anyone to have any fucking authority over me at all. I was thinking about that the other day. I, was like, I don't listen to podcasts because sometimes someone on that podcast is going to say some dumb shit that I wish I could correct them about. I won't be able to. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's what happens most of the time. Like, it'll be some shit they don't even know what we're talking about. And I'm like, can't handle this. That's everybody listening to this podcast right now. Mm-hmm. I, can't, just, I can't allow anyone to have like, any authority over me. Even, I guess that makes me sound like a psychopath. Generally, I'm okay with the, the, the how hierarchies shake out in real life, like naturally between groups of people. 
but I'm not. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm taking the artificial hierarchy that you have to basically be complicit with when it comes to podcasts or OnlyFans or YouTube personalities. Blah blah. blah. Fucking, they're just regular ass people like me, except for they're not as like smart in school as me. So I don't need to hear <laughs> shit. Why aren't you paying me instead of them? Exactly. As soon as we start making money, I'm we're gonna get the stars on this this podcast, man. I'm talking Vince Staples, Quaff Dad, <laughs> um, people. I, I don't know; those guys seem like hella cool to talk to. I don't know if they know much about '80s movies because they're both pretty young, but they're like pretty good rappers and like they seem fun to talk to. Uh, Thunder Thundercat, we'll get Thundercat on here. <laughs> no, no, I want to get the actual Thundercats. No, oh. Lion-O, Panthera, <laughs> whatever. They're not real, just like uh, everything. Everything's pretend. You think you got friends on the internet? There's no friends on the internet. The only time you have real friends is if there's like a little bit of sexual tension and you might kiss at any moment. That's the only real friendship. You can't have that shit on the internet. Come have a real life. All right, fucking VHSCult.com. I'm Kyle. I'm slowly going crazy. Sean, uh, this has been VHS Cult. Tune in again and again and again for eternity. (laughs) 